Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Jorge Diaz of Flash Boxing Gym, coming to you from L.A. out in California. Jorge, what's going on, my man? How are you today? How's it going? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's going well over here. I'm excited to dive into the business side of this but Jorge before we get too caught up in the strategies and the tactics and all of the things that come with running a business first and foremost man tell us about how this whole thing came to be what made you want to open a boxing gym I think like any any anybody that wants to do something great or wants to get involved in something major you know at that time my mentality was basically opening the gym, you know, running a gym. I always like, I was always a gym rat, you know, and I love being in the gym. I would have ended up being in the gym early in the morning, left in maybe early afternoon, came back later in the afternoon and then left late at night. So that was the whole progression. And then I, I used to like, I started loving to train people and teach people and see people develop, you know, even though, I was fighting as an amateur. This one, I started as an amateur. You know, um, I like to basically teach the kids and and see them gravitate to a certain extent. Even though I think it was, I was still immature now going and looking into it, but that's how I ended up basically developing my social skills with people and parents. And yeah. then I started really growing into it. Because I was yeah. a very, very shy kid, per se. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting how boxing can really be the the vehicle, not just for health and fitness, because obviously that's what we're here to talk about, but like your point, really personal development just as much. It's that kind of intangible that we can't really measure. And so tell us a little bit about flash boxing as it exists today, right? Tell us about the business. What, how do you serve people? I kind of keep it very old school. You know, we, so for the average for the average person that doesn't box, so I basically try to basic try to develop them to a certain extent, depending on their on their um on their goals. So meaning I I could term I could let's just say you're somebody that wants to spar, but you really can't get injured because you know you're in a you're in a you're in a platform that you gotta people gotta see you gotta see you uh, physically. They don't want to see you with a black eye. You got right, you got to right. go to meetings, so I got a very I, I kind of cater to that because I've trained a couple actors, a few actors, a lot of actors per se, uh, and um and sometimes a, a couple singers, and sometimes you got to avoid like singers can get their nose broken because it kind of changes their vocal cords and their whole aspect of, of their voice. Actors, of course, yeah. they can be all bruised up and going to a to a to a show and to a to a filming. Uh, filming an show, audition. and all of a sudden, you know, audition, yeah, exactly, and have a black eye. So, and then they got to put yeah. makeup all over it. So, you know, I kind of catered to that. So, basically, I try to throw somebody with experience, depending on what type of experience, and I throw them with somebody that doesn't have experience, just because the person with experience is going to um, work on certain things. So, I, I yeah. kind of give them that avenue so they get that experience of how to be with somebody 
that makes them feel a little bit powerless per se. Sure. And, and so my understanding is that this is done in kind of group classes, right? We have, it's more than just one-on-one. How many people do you have in a, in an average size class? In a class, the thing is we don't really set classes. We, I get people in groups. The ones I see that are developing, I might get the experienced ones, the intermediate and the ones that are beginning. The beginners, I might have them working on certain things, certain technique, technical punches, as long as they, they stay consistent. Now, the ones that have been here a little longer or are willing to get in the ring or willing to do a little bit more extra, I might throw them in with a couple of the amateurs or a couple of pros and see what they could work on. Maybe I might just do like a group sparring, have one on a, on a tire. You've probably seen that in the, in the Creed movie when they're boxing in the tire. Yeah, I might yeah. throw, you probably, uh, you did one, I would do one with just the left hand while one of them is being a little aggressive. The other one's just working the left hand, the experienced guy kind of learning how to control. And then the other one's just uh, group drills, defensive drills, countering drills. They have a full headgear, mouthpiece and everything, but I, I try to teach it so it becomes uh, a natural reaction because for most people who never boxed, it becomes a thinking process. You know, for somebody like me who's been doing it for so long, it just seems, it becomes a reaction. I see, I look, and I take advantage of my opportunity. For somebody that doesn't have experience, it, it might take them a little... A little time to get that to that development, but it is yeah. it has happened. It has happened. Yeah, and and so I mean, you and I both know that the last eighteen months in this industry have been as difficult as it can be when it comes to running a business. And so, you guys have have certainly taken a hit in the membership. Tell us a little bit about your membership before the pandemic, and and tell us about your membership. Uh- for the pandemic, we're doing well. You know, just you know, it's it's seasonal. You know, during the summer, we get a lot of kids. You know, we get a lot because you know the whole you know I, I the side where I'm at from in 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 LA. You know, there's a lot of it's a it's a big uh, Hispanic Latino uh, community. So you know the whole the whole the whole thing is about boxing. A lot of them want to fight. A lot of them want to do this. A lot of them want to take it to the next level. They, you know, especially if they see things like how Canelo, Floyd Mayweather have done. So I put them through a program that I develop, them, but I also got to see commitment because uh, sometimes you put a lot of commitment. It's a lot of time, a lot of a lot of time and effort put into a kid. You know, I've 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 trained people now for like 24 years, and and I've seen how people have developed in time. I've seen people that don't want to fight develop, and I see people that do want to fight. So there's levels to this. Yeah. That, that um, it could, it, it, it's kind of like, it's like going to school. That's how I look at it. You're going to, you start first elementary, you start kindergarten, then you end up to, you end up, you graduate high school, then if you decide to go to college or et cetera, et cetera, you know, that's, it's really what you decide as an individual. For Absolutely. me, I, as for me, I'm just guiding people, you know, because some people, I think, get, get in the mindset that, that they, you, if you ended up training with certain trainers, like you, you're with Freddie, you're with, uh, you know, the late Emmanuel Stewart, you know, you're just going to get the magic touch of them and become top of the line. No, it just, it just, it's not realistic. You know, it's a lot of time and effort. I used to work with, with uh, Joe Goosen. He's probably a better known trainer that he trained, like Michael Nunn. 
I had known Joe since I was 11 years old. So he was one of the guys that, one of the big, big trainers that I ended up knowing as a kid. Then it was Freddie. So, so I've been around a few yeah. of the, the, one of the biggest names. So, and, um, it's, 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 a it's a journey, but as training, it's clients, a journey, it's a journey. And I'm sure, Jorge, I'm sure that there are a whole lot of gym owners out there, whether they're in the boxing space or not, that yeah. that resonate with that sort of, it's a journey. It's a, it can be a grind. It can be a challenge. And so for you guys, how are you going to rebuild that membership to get back to where you were pre-pandemic? Talk to us about the, the marketing that goes into getting new people in the door. Marketing is, is different avenues. So right now, I think I've told you, we, we, since you saw the website, we used to do train conditioning classes. Since we parted away yep. with the trainer, that kind of slowed down. So like I said, I have somebody in mind that I might bring in, I'm bringing in. So we and him, I'm being communication and we're talking about how many classes he wants to do because I want to make it, I want to make it to a certain, certain extent that it, it is a running gym on its own, number one. Number two, if I need to expand, I will expand. It just depends where. Because the thing is, in LA, like I got a 2,000 square foot, 22 square foot uh, gym, and I'm paying a little over five grand a month. So those are the numbers that I got to challenge. That's number right. one. Number two, pricing. I just I just raised my pricing, and that's hard for people, especially in where I'm at. I'm in Van Nuys, California. More, it's growing. It's becoming a little bit. It's kind of like the market, the, the property value is going up for some reason because you know they're just trying to what, what's uh, over overturn the, uh, the city. So yeah, when I grew up, this was kind of like the kind of like the ghetto or where I'm at, especially. So, but um, yeah. it's growing. There's a lot of people coming in. There's a lot of people coming in, and then I get I get a different. I have a different, and it's gonna be instead of being all Hispanic, most most of my clients I got a, a diversity of clients. I got Armenian, yeah. I got Russian, Asians, I got so I got a diversity. So I that's another right. thing is in boxing gyms that growing up you gotta really it becomes more of a competitive part because boxing gyms for me was recreational. It wasn't fitness. Now since Tai Bo and all these classes they try to make it into a into a whole marketing boxer size box size yes but the problem yeah. with that is that some people get cut up with the with the fakery and sometimes people could get hurt that's that's the yeah. other issue i have with boxing yeah. well then jorge i mean you talked to us about 2200 square feet you have to keep in mind rent is going to be due every month we've got this five thousand dollar check going out and so keeping pace with rent as well as payroll and, and paying yourself at the end of the day, do you guys have a target in mind? Hey, we want to be at 150 members. Hey, we want to be at 200 members. Do you guys have a goal? Uh, you know, that's the goal is always to have more people in the gym. More. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the goal, more people in the gym. But at the same right. time, sometimes uh, I used to have when, when this is post um, COVID, this is before COVID. So I used to have up to, I've had up to 35, 45 people here at once. We've had that. So when I started by myself, because I'm basically here, I live at the gym. I'm, I'm here 70 hours a week. 
So I'm practically here every day, day in and day out. Right. So when I used to do everything by myself, we didn't really do the classes. I used to kind of like get people to routines, teach, teach them the basics and develop, number one. Number two, started with the pad work, started teaching them how to, how to understand their balance, how to, throw punches, how to throw punches and how to walk. Then the third stage, you know, I say, it's not really the final stage, but I'll call it the final stage, the sparring. Worst case scenario, I'm going to say somebody like an actor, somebody that can't get hit, somebody that works at meetings. I'll, the worst case scenario, I will have to box them. Doesn't matter how big they are. Sometimes I've, I've gone with guys that are like 6'3", yeah. <laughs> 240, 250, and then I get the worst of it. I'm, I'm not really that yeah, tall. Good I'm luck at that point. Yeah. No, I'm it's, it's, like I'm five three. I weigh like one sixty five, one seventy. You know, I'm pretty thick. You know, and I get in a ring with everyone. I'm, I used to do up to twenty rounds a day. Uh, the first. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you certainly have the experience factor in your corner. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's the factor. The size so, factor is right, <laughs> from from a business perspective, right? When we talk about trying to get back to pre-pandemic, what do you think? If you guys could improve on one thing, is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it retention? What What do you think is is really gonna make the big difference for you in your journey to making this business even bigger? I think it's all three. Sales, of course, you only be able to sell to the public to to have them come in. You gotta look at it like this. Most people walk into it. Okay, I'm gonna ask you if you. You never box. You never train. What have you heard about boxing, especially boxing? Not much. <laughs> okay. okay, so I'll put it in this better terms. So you go to a boxing gym. Yeah. You think fighters. You think I'm going to box somebody. I'm going to get my butt whooped by somebody that I've... Yeah. Especially if you've never done it. So those things come in. So... The difference between most gyms and myself, I try to make people people feel welcome. Everybody says hello. Everybody greets everybody. Everybody says goodbye at the end, bump fists. And, they, and so we kind of have a friendly environment, even though you might have a couple kids trying to knock each other out of the – trying to knock each other's heads in the ring. Yeah. So yeah. you'll see that. So That's the real <laughs> challenge with with boxing gyms for the most part is that, yes, of course we have – our competitive fighters, but that's a very small population and we definitely yes. can't pay the bills with them alone. We, we need that gen pop, Mr. And Mrs. Jones who are, who are coming in to, to learn the sport and use it to get a little bit fitter, a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier. And they can yes. come 52 weeks a year and pay their membership every single month at the same time. And we need those people. Yes, and those and that and that's a great thing I try to do is just I try to make them understand what to keep the capabilities on. You know, as long as they get their safe, that's the biggest thing is about being safe. You know, you're gonna have a broken nose here with with some of the fighters, but you try to avoid that with the normal with a normal person with a normal yeah. nine to five person that wants to work and they come here after work after work. So I get that. So that's yeah. that's what I don't I, know, I don't know. I don't know if normal person is the right tag, but at least most yeah, people don't want to don't want to yeah. get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Jorge, I mean, we've talked about 
how you started the business and where you came from. We've talked about what it looks like today and kind of the challenges that you guys have faced over the last 18 months. Talk to us about the future, man. What's the, what's the big picture? What's the goal in mind when it comes to running this business? Uh, running the business, I would probably like to grow something that we'll have a boxing gym and we'll have a fitness gym. All those, all those um, weightlifting. I would like to have a big, my goal is to have a, basically a big warehouse that I could do everything. From the CrossFit to the weightlifting to the to the training athletes, I would have a full-on facility plus a boxing gym. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, I, I want to get more involved with the business of the sport. Meaning, I want to create more talent. I want to create more futures for for kids that that don't get caught up in the corruption of boxing. That's another thing I'm trying to get involved. That there's always going to be little things here and there that you gotta you gotta go over but at the biggest point is to create a future of, of these kids and create a positive a positivity in their lives because a lot of kids out here especially in today's society they think boxing is violent but like i always tell some parents you rather have them in the street where there's real there's actually more lethal or to a sport that is it could be progressive so that's the only that's the difference from my mindset from then to now. So yeah. my whole thing is just there's, have cer a big there's certainly work to be done, right? Oh yeah, there's, a lot of work. There's a lot of different things. I mean, you mentioned bigger location, adding in new services, focusing more on the youth, focusing more on the business of boxing and, and the politics yes. of it in general. There, There's certainly a lot of things to be done. And, and man, it sounds like you're the man for the job for this. So Jorge, man, as we start to kind of wrap things up and, and bring an end to this interview, where can people find out a little bit more about your gym? Uh, you can go to the, our website at www.flashboxinggym.com. Uh, you can look at our Instagrams, you know, my personal Instagram as well. And um, uh, at uh, flashboxing underscore gym. My personal is Jorge Kid Flash. Uh, and and those are the platform right there that we have. You know, you can see a lot what we, what goes on in the gym. You can see a lot of this, the training, the mid work. So you the, the progression of what we try to do. Like I said, yeah. the whole thing is about commitment. The biggest the That's biggest right. key word is commitment. And well, if, we, if we'll people will, then, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. If people are willing to take the chance and, and risk a little bit, they can do whatever. That's that's the perfect note for us to wrap this up, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate you and your contribution to the podcast. And it's always interesting to get people's mindset when it comes to how they run their business and, and what they're really shooting for. I can't thank you enough. And, and I wish you nothing but the best going forward. No, thank, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure meeting you and a pleasure to have you be on the show. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, 
head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Chip's 24-Hour Health and Racket Club in Gulf Breeze, Florida. Chip, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am fantastic, sir. Another Monday, getting rocking and rolling for the week. Excited to hear uh, on the air some of the stuff we talked about off the air and and get into it. So give us the lowdown. What's uh, what's Chips all about? Well, Chips is a, a 24-hour facility um, that I opened in 1991. It's a family-oriented gym where everybody feels at home here. Um, you have uh, everything from middle school kids all the way up to elderly because we're kind of a retirement community. And uh, it's just a great place to come and hang out. We have a little bit of something for everybody uh, with basketball, racquetball, volleyball, um, and, of course, weightlifting. Uh, then we have a bunch of different uh, classes uh, for everybody. So I think it's just a great place for people to come up and get in, in shape and exercise and just, uh, you know, enjoy themselves. Yeah, sounds like uh, in your community, I think you said that right where you are, there's about 15,000 people and you've put a lot of things in place to basically be a one-stop shop for the majority of people's health and fitness needs in the area. Correct, yeah, we have a little bit of everything. Um, I've been doing it for, for a long time, so I've kind of expanded over the years and kind of seeing what works for me and, uh, you know, what doesn't work. And um, we, uh, we kind of push our, our main philosophy at our gym is a, uh, a powerlifting gym. That's where we focus. Uh, most of our, uh, most of our clients come in to really, um, we're probably the best powerlifting gym and within maybe 50 to a hundred miles. Um, so that's where we're, you know, kind of staple members are. And then we, of course, have a little bit of everything else for the, uh, the average lifter that just wants to come in for like a 30-minute session and get in and get out. Awesome, man. So uh, I want to dive a little bit more into that as we go, but this is your unique story in that you've been in business since you were in high school. <laughs> I mean, most people um, that, that we talk to, you know, might have an inkling that they like sports or fitness in high school, but very few people have their hands in the pie you know, doing this thing that early. So if you could, uh, I know you already told me a little bit off the air, go into that story of how it happened and, you know, continuously basically being in business since about, you know, 1991 is, is a really incredible path that you've had. Well, and give you a bit more backstory that I don't think I told you earlier. My, uh, my father, um, was big into bodybuilding and powerlifting in the sixties and seventies. And that's kind of where I got my real start and love for, for lifting and exercising. Um, so over the years, uh, I would accumulate some equipment and my mom had a warehouse at the, uh, newspaper company that she owned called the Sentinel newspaper here in Gulf Breeze. And uh, it was a big warehouse. And so I had all this equipment. I kept, you know, increasing it. I made it like a little warehouse gym. And in the, uh, in 1990, she sold it. Um, so I had all this equipment. And so I finally talked her into, uh, purchasing a, uh, small little unit for me in a little office park. So I could store my equipment since we were losing that place. 
and she did. And so I had all my equipment in there and I was just kind of, my friends and I were working out together and, you know, just doing our own thing. And then my senior year, um, I decided to apply for a DCT program, Diversified Cooperative Training Program. It's like an on-job training where you go to school half the day. And then the other half of the day, like at noon, you'd go to work somewhere. And then you would have somebody follow you around, make sure you're doing the right thing. And they would report back to the teachers and you would, you know, that would be your class grade for the second half. Well, I talked them into letting me open up my uh, fitness center and see how it'd work. And, but I'd be my own boss as a high school student. And they were kind of, you know, weren't sure if it was going to work or not. They said, well, we'll give it a try for one semester, see how it goes. Cause they thought I would just kind of mess around and not do anything. Well, it ended up, um, I found out I loved it and, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, being there and I loved all the people coming in and I loved the business. And so it kind of went great. So they said, okay, let's keep going. And then I, uh, graduated high school and went off to, to college and at college I was studying sports management. And then in the middle of that year, um, that semester, the first semester, I started realizing that I was already doing what I love to do. Um, so instead of like wasting my parents' money and wasting my time at school, I was like, I need to get back home to uh, start running the business. So I, uh, you know, packed up after one year at Tulane and came home and uh, started running my business. And it, then it's really kind of gone from there. Going to tell you, it takes a, uh, a strong love of the business to probably, or maybe a strong love of anything to tear someone away from the Tulane campus and the amazing city and college experience it could be to be in New Orleans, um, you know, back then. But it's really, you know, we hear so many people that will go and get a four-year degree in any number of things. And I'm a big proponent of education. And, you know, I, uh, people want to poo-poo the, the college degrees a lot these days, but um, people will go and we hear the story all the time. Hey, I got a, I got a, you know, an MBA or I went and I, you know, I went to school for this and that. And they all say that, you know, the on the job experience, especially in the fitness industry, the, the relationships, the job specific far outweighs what they got in college. So you saw the writing on the wall early. You knew that you were getting that experience. You were able to you know, harness your love for the fitness side of things, uh, your desire to grow and expand as, as a business owner and just really hit the fast forward button on this thing. So kudos to you for having that foresight and, you know, getting a head start, you know, far, far above and beyond what most people do. So you get this thing rolling, you know, it's the nineties. Some of our listeners probably weren't even born then. And, um, but but for those who are, you know, can you kind of give us an idea? Fitness looked very different in the early 90s than it does now. There have been some major trends, some big waves that have come and gone. What have been the those big waves? How have they looked for you? And how have you managed to adapt, pick and choose what things you are going to identify with and, and still be here with us 30 years, couple recessions, economic crisis, pandemic? All these things later and here we are talking well i guess i was kind of at the end of like the aerobics the step aerobics craze like the the movie perfect um that was really big and the the club that i bought um that's what their main goal was in aerobics classes um and then when when i came in business we was switching more towards the machine part of, you know, exercising, like all these, you know, Cybex probably started around then, around the 
early 90s or late 80s. Um, and then all these great machines started coming out. So everybody was like, you know, loading their uh, facility up with these, you know, very expensive, very nice, great machines, like the end of like Nautilus. And then Cybex kind of was, uh, you know, the probably the best in the business. Um, and that's kind of where I was transitioning here is, is when that was happening. I kind of, I wasn't big into the robots class. So I didn't have any classes at the time when I first opened. Um, I just had machines and then I had a small little, didn't even have a powerlifting area. I just had like a platform at the time because um, we we had three racquetball courts. All three racquetball courts were kind of busy um, in the uh, early 90s. And then racquetball was starting to fade out. Um, it was huge in the 80s. And then by the time we caught it at the tail end, um, it was kind of starting to die. So we've converted. Um, we went from four racquetball courts to two now. And even one of them we kind of have, it's half volleyball, half basketball. So it's not full on racquetball. And then we since converted one of our racquetball rooms into a powerlifting studio. So it's a f just dedicated for powerlifting only. So it's a kind of a special room where you've got these, uh, I guess you, a good term would be meatheads, you could call them. These big powerlifting guys could go in there, crank the music up, you know, have the heavyweight, have the chalk going everywhere, slamming the weights down, making lots of noise. And then it still doesn't really affect the main part of the gym. So you have the quiet, more the uh, retired couple that's going to come and do a little circuit around can still come in and get their, their circuit in and not have to worry about fighting these big meatheads for the equipment. Um, and then the trend has kind of worked its way back towards like I wrote uh, yoga classes and step classes. And, you know, kind of that trend is kind of coming back now again, where spinning has gotten you know, really big in the last few years. So, you know, our spinning classes, you know, taken off. So we have a nice spinning studio. Um, and then of course, all the technology with aerobics has changed aerobics uh, machines. So, you know, first it was just a bike and a treadmill. Now you've got all the different kinds of ellipticals. You now you got step mills, you got versa climbers, you got air bikes, you got, you know, saw bikes, you got ski ergs, you got rowers. I mean, you got all sorts of cardio. So you have to course keep up with that trend and i'm constantly you know replacing upgrading um all of the uh, different aerobics equipment to keep everybody happy um so we've been doing that too so there's just lots of you know little trends kind of we got a little bit of everything up here you know we're trying to you know make everybody happy where they at least have something they feel comfortable with or something that they'll be motivated to come in the gym to do yeah absolutely amongst all of those you know, you're you're in a place now uh, where you're accommodating, you know, things that people are attending, people are interested in that are working. Have there been any times along the way where you took the foray into adding something in the gym and it didn't really pan out or maybe hesitated and didn't think someone something was going to catch on and, and had to come back and, and add it back in later? Uh, timing-based decisions, any of those that, you know, could have went better one way or the other at the time? Yeah, there's there's always different little things. I mean, you buy a piece of equipment at the time, you think it's great and you spend a lot of money on it. And then later on, you know, a year later, you kind of realize it's a waste of money. Um, like one thing we bought years ago and it was like, I think we spent like $8,000 on it. And at the time it was like so much money, but it was one of these, it was like a uh, incline flat decline bench. It was all attached and you can, you know, move it all around. And I mean, since then we've pretty much gotten rid of like all our benches. Now we just, you buy a power rack 
So you can do everything on it. You can bench, you can incline, you can shoulder press, you know, that kind of thing. I wish I would have gotten rid of the, the single purpose machines and, and gone with the multi-purpose machines that you can do lots of things with more. Um, we've kind of learned that the hard way. So we went from having like four or five bench presses up here to having like seven or eight power racks now. And with the power racks, you know, you can, you know, being a lifter, you can do a little bit of everything on. Um, and uh, probably like spinning, I think, is one of the things that I didn't really um, back when it first was getting, you know, big, probably in the uh, mid 90s. I, I didn't invest in that as much as I probably should have. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how that has stayed and even gotten bigger, like with the Peloton bike coming out now. I mean, so many people are into spinning. It's such a huge um you know, source of income and, and people really enjoy it. And I just, at the time I, you know, I was like, who wants to sit on a bike seat that many hours a day? I mean, that just, just, I can't even imagine it, you know, but I do love and enjoy watching the tour de France and I do ride my bike, but I just don't uh, think of it as sitting in a room with somebody screaming at me to stand up on a bike, sit down on a bike, you know, that kind of thing, but people love it. And it's just one of those trends where I didn't think it was going to, you know, stay with us, but it, it's definitely stayed with us and, and even gotten bigger and bigger. Yeah. Well, to your credit with spin, I think it came out and had a pop. And then it, there was a big lull for a while until companies like SoulCycle and uh, Flywheel, uh, Peloton, all that. They just pushed it hard enough that, you know, they made it an experience above and beyond just sitting on a bike. So you probably were right there to a degree. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you got to be able to look back at the wins and the losses, the hits and the misses. But here you are now with a pretty well-rounded facility. So as far as um, management of the club goes, and we can get into this story a little bit more because I think it's interesting. You know, club starts, you know, you're in high school, you go away to college for a year, you're able to keep it running. And then, you know, a couple of years later, um, you end up, you know, through I'm sure a lot of hard work and in various stages working with the uh, Olympic bobsled team. So again, something else that's taking what sounds like a fair amount of your time, still keep the wheels turning, still keep the business healthy and growing. How have you managed to do that through those stages, you know, areas where your attention and your physical presence was somewhere else, uh, but the gym kept managed to keep rolling? Well, originally when I opened the gym and then I went away to school, um, my father was actually in the middle of a transitioning in his career. They were going from a certain, the same kind of career, but he went from like a, a desk job, a local job to more of a traveling job. Um, so that year away, he was able to help me run the business and he, you know, stayed there and, and kept it going. So then after I came home, um, another thing that also I kind of transitioned to, and I, I don't claim to be the first, but I was definitely, probably early uh, was one of the first I was the first one to make myself or make the gym a key gym so in 1991 um, when I opened um, a lot of people you know like I said I was only I was going to school from you know eight till noon and then I would show up at the gym like at one o'clock after lunch and then I would um, stay there till eight o'clock at night and then there was a lot of people like hey man I'd like to come in you know six in the morning five in the morning and I was like why you know I can't be here so Finally, I started making keys for everybody and people that I trust and I'd give them a key. And then, of course, that became a big headache, changing keys out or changing the door and lock. And, you know, so then I came up with a system of having a little keypad. And this is way before proximity. I mean, we're talking even prior to computers. I mean, there's computers, but you didn't have 
computers like they have now where they can run a door system. Um, so it was like a little keypad, you do, you know, like you've seen it places. So you, you gave out codes, but it only had a, like a, a limit of like 10 or 15 codes I could put in it. So I just pretty soon just started giving everybody the same code. And then each month I would change the code out. And that became a hassle. So, hey, you know, it's the first of the month. Here's the new code. And then, of course, anybody can give the code to anybody. So I was having to work with that dilemma of like, you know, controlling who was coming to the gym, who had the code, that kind of stuff. And then we, uh, of course, all these different companies started coming out with these proximity keys. So then I switched to the proximity key system where you can control it. There's one key. They have to have the key to come in. You can turn the key on and off and it's, you know, a piece of cake. Um, and so that was, uh, I was trying to make the gym um, once I moved to this bigger facility and then I started, started bobsledding trying to make it completely as self-sufficient as possible. Uh, once somebody signed up, um, they got a key, and then they could come in when they wanted to. Um, we would set them up on an auto pay, so we wouldn't have to worry about the payments. Um, you know, So over the years, that's probably been the, my biggest um, uh, change, is trying to make the gym completely self-sufficient. Um, I'm actually in the process of opening another location right now. Um, it'll be open in May 1st, and we're making that one completely self-sufficient, where you log into a website, you uh, go into our, our gym on our website, you sign up, you get a QR code reader or you get a Bluetooth reader for your phone. And once you're paid, then you can go to the door, use your phone, get in the gym and you're you're ready to go. We don't even need anybody to run it. Um, so that's where we're the, I think the trend is slowly going in this industry is uh, making everything where it's automated, where you can, you know, kids can come in here. They can actually pay with everything with Apple Pay on their phone if they want to pay for something. Um, they can, you know, cancel their membership, they can sign up, they can add a friend, they can pay for a daily, they can do everything they, they want, you know, everything's at the, your fingertips of your phone. And that's kind of where we're trying to, uh, to make it so it's easier for the person to sign up and cancel um, if they wanted to, we don't lock anybody into anything. I've always thought that that's kind of a, a red flag um, for other businesses when you really lock them into a year, or you lock them into you know, 30 days, you got to cancel before you're ready to leave. And then it's a crazy cancellation fee. You got to make it easy for them to cancel. That means they'll want to come back faster. If you make it hard for them to cancel, they don't want to come back as fast. Yeah, That's been my I think, uh, you know, the, I heard somebody recently say, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase here because I'll, I'll probably butcher it. Something about loving somebody as much on the way out as you did on the way in. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly how we, we treat them here. I try I make it as easy as possible. All they have to do is they have to give me one day notice. They just send me an email. Um, actually, the new facility, they'll do it all, you know, through the, they'll have their own little portal. They'll have their own app. They can go in and just turn it off, turn it on, however they want to do it. Um, you just have to, you know, make it, I mean, don't make it difficult. It's not like you're, you know, trying to lock them into, you know, they're not buying a car from you. They're not, you know, buying a house. It's not like a mortgage payment. It's just, it's a facility and something happens, they get injured, you know, they, they're leaving town. Like I said, we're in a big uh, kind of retirement community, but we're also in a big uh, tourist industry area. So a lot of people are coming and going. We have a lot of military that float through this area. We have one of the largest bases or probably in this whole area. We have, you know, Eglin, um, NAS. So all these different people are coming and going. You just have to, you know, make them want to come back. And then when they do finally come back, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that gym. That was great. You know, it, it made it easy for me to come and go. Um, they didn't give me a, a hassle about leaving and they want to join back up. And I think that's what's been a, a big success for me is making it where people can, you know, sign back up easy. They can, you know, they're not locked in anything. 
and it makes them a little bit, um, you know, less hesitant in signing up. Like they don't want to be burned like they've been burned before. Yeah. Any, anything you can do to remove friction and give people one less reason to not, you know, look at any other clubs in the area. It's like, Hey, we've got everything you need. We're friendly. We're community-based. We, we, we want you to sign up. What's the catch? What happens if I have to leave? I don't just let me know that you want to leave. We'll shake hands. We'll be friends. And hopefully we'll see you back at some point soon. And, and that's it. You know, I think anything you can do where someone doesn't feel like there's a catch puts you ahead in business these days, because there's always a catch with everything it seems. So I like your take on that. So um, I have a kind of an idea of the gym, your, your backstory, uh, what you're doing. I, I appreciate you sharing that you have, you know, another location coming on board. Uh, just one quick question on that, really, because I want to talk a couple about your best practices. But proximity is the is the new location. Is it, you know, on the peninsula? Is it similar, you know, area where it is? Are you mainland Pensacola? Where's the new location coming on board? The new location is going to be about 12 miles away. Um, like I said, our area is, is exploding. It's booming. Um, and we have a high school here that is just busted at the seams. And then there's another high school that's about, uh, say, 20 miles away. So there's nothing in between those, you know, 20 miles. And in the, in the middle of all that, there's this community that's just, you know, going gangbusters. So there's a new high school coming in about 12 miles away. And that area is called Midway. And it's actually Midway from Gulf Breeze to Navarre. So that's the Midway. <laughs> so that's why they... They named it Midway, so there's going to be Midway High School. I believe that's what they're going to call it, but it's going to be about three years that will be open. And my location to the high school here, and that's why I think I do so well, is I'm almost directly across the street. The high school is like walking distance for the middle school kids, the high school kids. They all just walk over here after school, so I have a big presence there. And as soon as we heard about this high school going in, um, we found out about it about a year ago. And I've been in the uh, process of wanting to open up a, you know, for another gym for a long time. And I had uh, one of my uh, people that I buy all my equipment from, he's been kind of bugging me about wanting to open up a gym with him because he always has so much equipment. He's like, I've got all this equipment. I've just got to do something with it. I can't, you know, sell it fast enough. I need to, you know, do something. So he and I, and then actually another um, gym owner about um, 45 minutes away are all coming together in this midway area and open up a location. So it's, it's 12 miles away from me. It's on the peninsula um it's uh, it's going to be right next door to where the high school is going so it's a great location and uh it's just uh it's going to be a great experience we're we're 95 percent done uh ready for the open um we just have to do a couple of fine-tuned things like getting the, the whole door system uh, up and running once the door system's up and running i think we'll be ready to go and we'll have another another location Awesome, man. Awesome. While we have a couple of minutes left here, want to get, you know, quick take from you on a couple of things that always come up. So um, I'm sure you've gone through a million, a million different versions of, of everything I might ask you. But for you, um, first and foremost, the question we get asked the most marketing, new client acquisition. What do you find is the most effective thing for you to get get new people in the door? The number one thing I've always found over the years is word of mouth. I mean, you can do all the advertising you want, but when a friend tells another friend, hey, this is a great place, you can come try it out, or a family member, that's always the number one. Every person that comes to the door said, I heard it from a friend or you know, a family member or somebody um, told them about it. Um, and then maybe later they were reassured and they see some advertising of some sort. And, and we do very, very, very little advertising. 
Um, we have, you know, local papers here that we'll advertise in occasionally. And then, you know, now with social media, that's kind of changed the whole advertising platform. You just do all your own advertising. You don't even have to advertise. You just make a post. It's mm -hmm. free. Make a post. It looks like an ad. You know, so that's kind of changed everything. Especially my parents, like I said, they were in the newspaper business. And, you know, before you would have to, you know, get these contracts and put an ad in and you leave it in there for a certain amount of time. And, and now, I mean, the, pa the paper industry is kind of dead. There's hardly anybody reading the paper anymore. I mean, everybody's on their phones just scrolling and swiping and, you know, looking at things that way. So I think the, the, the best form of advertising is obviously word of mouth, so making it happy for people, um, you know, once they're in here and they're telling other people about it. Um, but then just doing, you know, simple posts and, you know, if it's Instagram or if it's LinkedIn or if it's Facebook or whatever, whatever kind of posts that way, I think that's a um, occasionally like if I have a, an event coming up, I might pay for some advertising on one of those platforms to try to reach out to, you know, some other people. But um, I think just uh, word of mouth is the best. Absolutely. All right. And then the last thing, staffing, and I'm sure we could do a whole episode on this. But uh, again, I'm sure you've tried a million different things. Um, you know, as far as getting desk staff, trainers, whatever type of other help um, right now, you know, in the midst of this nationwide staffing crisis, we're not immune in the fitness industry, but, you know, whether it be right now or over the years, um, where do you find your highest ROI is for time, energy, investment in finding good people to come and work in and for your facility? Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, I've probably, I guess I've just been blessed um, that I've just had uh, great trainers that have wanted to be here. They kind of know the environment that we have and have, have built. And so, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of have like trainers like beating down my door, wanting to train here that I, I won't allow because there's only so many clients to go around and I don't want to oversaturate with trainers. So I keep, you know, just a handful. We have like about 10 or 12 trainers right now and and out of those 10 or 12 there's probably eight that are full-time and out of those eight trainers that are full-time there's like a handful of them like four of them that are kind of like my right hand men where if i'm not here they'll take care of things somebody comes in the door they'll show them around they'll talk to them they'll show them how to sign up they'll send them to the website because everything is virtual you don't even have to come in you know you know there's no paper so they would you know hand them things and and get them going um so you just have to, and another big thing, I guess, in keeping the, the trainers happy um, is I let them keep 100% of their income. I don't take a percentage. Um, so that's a, a big philosophy that I do. So since I've always been a trainer, I just never thought it was fair for the uh, the, the gym owner or the uh, the gym to take a percentage of you know my income that I've worked for. So I don't do it to them. They can they can make it 100%. You know, they make as much as they want or as little as they want. You know, it's all up to them. And I don't do any control of the uh the appointments they handle all their own appointments they do all that so i just try to keep a a, a good niche of, of trainers that control themselves and 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 them also another good force a source of advertising is with them um they're promoting themselves and they're promoting themselves in this gym and in this gym it's you know it's just kind of a snowball effect that you know keeps uh it, it helping each other um getting more people in the gym and, and building our clientele yeah, it sounds like the truest version of the Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. You've you've made this facility that's that's welcoming, that's positive, that has a good environment, that 
you know, just is attracting sounds like the best and the brightest in the area. And if they're beating down your doors and you're at a point where you can say no, uh, I think that's a good position to be in. So good for you on that. So last question I'm going to hit you with before we're going to let you go. Um, you've been in this business a long time and I'm sure it's hard to distill it down to one or two sound bites here, but any big uh, lessons you've learned, guiding principles, um, inflection points, anything where you feel like, you know, something that you've just kept with you has helped to keep you in the game and successful. You know, other things have popped up, gone away since you've been there. You're still standing here 31 years later and, you know, expanding. Uh, sounds like, you know, the rocket ship is full of fuel. Anything that you can really attribute that to as a, as a guiding principle or lesson? Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest things is uh, listening to your customers, um, keeping all your clients happy. When a customer comes in and, and tells you they, you know, wish you had something or they want something and you just kind of ignore them and never get it, um, that kind of thing, I think, uh, hurts the uh, business. So um, I think keeping all your equipment um, running properly, clean, looking good, keeping the you know, environment happy. It's not like a dungeon that you walk in and it's not, you know, dreary. It's, it's a happy place to be. So people want to come up here um and then just keep everything you know everything going don't um don't leave your equipment down don't leave it you know looking bad don't leave it broken um try to take care of everything so it's a uh, i mean imagine if you went to uh disney world and you know half the rides weren't working you know would you want to go back the next time probably not but if you go to disney world and everything's up and running everything's perfectly crystal clean you 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 enjoy being there and it's kind of the same environment in the gym people want it you know they want it clean they want everything working um and they just want a, you know, happy environment. I think that's what we try to keep here. Awesome, man. Yeah, that um, the Disney reference hits hard. If, you know, there's been many books written about it, you know, the Disney experience, the Disney standard. Uh, it's a high standard to hold yourself to. But, you know, if you uh, if you shoot for the stars and you miss, you still land on the moon, you're in good company, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, sir, that is all the time that we have here today for everybody out there listening. Um, if they want to find you, chips24hourhealth.com, anywhere else they should look for you out on the uh, on the electronic universe. Yeah, they can, of course, uh, Instagram, we're uh, chips24hr. Um, Facebook, we're, I think, you know, chips24hr, um, and then Twitter. Um, we're on all the social platforms, uh, you know, that that's out there, and uh, of course, we have some YouTube channels. You could uh, look for us there. And uh, we have a few old videos. I haven't posted a video on YouTube in a while, but um, we're out there. Awesome, sir. Well, I appreciate you spending some time this morning with us. It's been a pleasure having you. I wish you continued success. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. To everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. Wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up, right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Jim Ward's podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. 
Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I am here with Jermaine from Five Star Fitness in Birmingham, Alabama. What's up, Jermaine? How are you today? I'm good. What's going on with you, Bree? Not much. Doing well. Glad to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime, anytime. All righty. Awesome. So let's jump into the details here. How did we get started with owning our own gym? What made you want to own your own facility? Uh, it started off with my son. Uh, we, he wanted to play ball. Uh, me being a former football player, basketball player, athlete, um, I actually started training him. Um, that's how I got into athletic training. So it all started with uh, athletic training. And from there, it just took off to boot camps, one-on-ones, personal training, small group. So awesome. he was the, he, he was, he was the uh, foundation there. That's great. So how old is he? He's 23 now. 23. Oh my goodness. I never would have guessed that. Looking at you. <laughs> so he was, he was eight, eight at the time, I think. Okay. All right. Wow. So he was the inspiration for you for the business originally. And now it's grown uh, across the years now you've been able to maintain the facility so that's good um yeah. now what types of services are you offering now within the facility so you've still got the athletic piece i'm sure and yeah, then yeah. um are we doing general fitness general population fitness training yeah we're doing we're doing the athletic we're still doing athletic uh it's probably more so of us you know going to the actual school now um okay. still we Still doing general, uh, you know, with COVID, that's a little hard for people to come in the building. But our general has turned into online. Um, we still do have people that come in for our boot camp class, but um, that's about it. We, we still own it. Yeah. Okay. So how much of your membership transferred to an online platform because of COVID, would you say? Oh man, probably about before COVID, we probably was uh, 80, 20 uh, in person. Now we're probably 90, 10 online. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So most of the membership has transferred to online now. Right, right, right. So how is that working within the facility? So now like 10% of your membership is actually coming into the facility. So I'm guessing that the semi-private or group sessions that you maybe were offering before are either smaller or how are you structuring things now within the facility? 
because the the number of people is so much smaller now. Right, right. We had several classes in person. Okay. Uh, so what we did, we scaled, you know, when COVID hit, we scaled to only one class um, in the facility and probably in one-on-ones. Uh, okay. So, and everything went online. So we, because we, at that time, you know, we, we couldn't be open. Right. Like, you know, we was actually shut down. We couldn't even open the doors. So everything went online. And when they gave us a chance to open up the doors online, was it was pretty good. Yeah. So I actually said, I'm going to ride it out to see where it goes. And it's actually been doing well. Got it. Okay. So now is there the potential there to transfer completely to online and no longer have the brick and mortar facility or is that not really something that you would want to do? It's something I thought about, but with me uh, doing a lot of individual athletic training, mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure <laughs> if I yeah. really want to. Um, with everybody being online, it, it doesn't hurt the business. Right. You know, per se, we actually probably grew more online during the pandemic than we did when pre-pandemic, which is okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. Um, we covered, we probably covered the Southeast, um, Alabama, Georgia, little parts of Florida. Now we're from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, Ohio, Chicago. No Carolina. So I mean right. it's uh which allows me to you know train more athletes. So I've actually actually got more athletes um versus online. We having to go online. I've actually retained more athletes coming in and wanting me to train them one on one versus um that's why it's it's a hard decision to close the building because it's still very, very, very beneficial. Yeah, a hundred percent. Now it's like that online piece is just another stream of revenue. Right. Where you can still maintain the facility and even having those online memberships help to cover the overhead as well, even if you don't have as many people within the facility. Most most definitely. Um I mean, we, we, it was probably two years we were actually working on the online before the pandemic hit because it was a lot of different things I was trying to do online. So it took a while for me to put it all together, but <laughs> I put it together in probably one weekend, uh, got it to a point to where it's at now, and I'm, I'm still not satisfied with it, but it's at a point right now where it's like, wow. I'm surprised right. that we did. Yeah, that's awesome. So now not being satisfied with where it's at now, what would you change or what are you looking to change? Um, at, at the time, the goal was to do a whole lot of different things, uh, offer different spot-specific classes mm -hmm. uh, along with, you know, that full body workout. Mm -hmm. um, so you could go, you know, from a full body workout with your heart rate still up and go to that spot specific class. Um, I train a lot of women. So yeah. 
you know, it's certain areas they want to keep, certain areas <laughs> <laughs> that they don't. <laughs> that they don't. So, you know, we we I wanted to provide them with uh, a little extra. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the case. Okay, so it's more of just like a, a programming thing yeah, that you yeah, have yeah, to yeah, yeah. adjust. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. and uh-huh. and I, I didn't want it just to be me teaching the class. So, you know, it was going to be, you know, different trainers, especially ones up and coming uh, instructors. You know, I'm all about helping everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it could benefit them, you know, put that help, put their name out. I'm yeah. Absolutely. So now are you doing classes, the, the online portion, are you doing that through Zoom? How are you delivering the material to your clients? Uh, we actually, we actually do Zoom. But we're uh, trying. We're probably going to transform to an app where you can do classes live online through the app. Mm-hmm. So every, everything is going to be geared towards the app. Okay. All right. To kind of keep everything in one place and provide right. more structure there. Right. right. Cool. Okay. And now as far as your membership goes, how do you structure your membership? Are people paying on a monthly basis, a weekly basis? Are they buying packages? How does that work? Um, We have a monthly package and we have, um, we'll call it the 21 day package. Okay. So it's, you know, 21, 21 days. They say, you know, starts a habit. Right. So, um, of course, you know, monthly is is good, but it's the 21-day package that uh, gets the people in. Yeah, absolutely. And is that uh, like a, a challenge style yes. kind of thing? Yeah, it's okay. Called, it's called 21 Days of Hell. Oh, that sounds <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> That's really what gets people in the door, huh? <laughs> yeah, twenty-one days of hell. You can no, no. What gets them in is twenty-one days for twenty-one dollars. Yes. Okay. So now with that program, are you also offering? So I'm guessing it's there's some type of training component there. And right. then is there nutrition and accountability as well? What does that look like? So we have a private group um, that we put all the members in and we hold them accountable. You get mm-hmm. a, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a nutritionist, but I, you do get a meal guide um, that I, you know, personally come up with myself. Mm-hmm. And in our group, you know, we have conversation, we talk amongst each other, and some of the accountability is posting what you eat. Yes. Yeah, that's big. Most <laughs> yeah. people, what they really need is the accountability piece. Yes, yes. So, you know, you have to post what you eat. If you don't post what you eat, in my eyes, you're not doing right. Right. So I'm going to get on you. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Gonna, and I'm going to get on you in front of everybody. You know, we are we all we family, so. That's right. You're all in it together, so. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so 
now with that, that's typically a front end offer like that is really good to get people's attention, get them started on a program, um, get them invested in what it is that you're doing. Now, of those people that are signing up for that program, program going through that 21 days of hell, how many of those are converting into monthly paying members after that? So uh, the thing was, pre-pandemic you can only do 21 days of hell one month mm -hmm. then you had to convert over to monthly right with online i know it's you know it's kind of hard so we went to three months and the conversion rate um is better than what i thought we probably have about 150 sign up a month by the end of that third month was time to go to monthly. We have a conversion rate of probably about 80%. Okay. All right. So that's some pretty solid growth there happening on. So every month we have people converting to a month. Exactly. Yeah. So you keep it running. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that constantly feeds new leads yes. coming Every into the program yeah. and converting into memberships it's constantly rolling yeah. yeah so um now how many members are you currently serving across all the programs that you offer 200 plus over 200 yeah okay yeah. and is there a, a certain number that you have in mind that you're looking to get to as far as membership base like what would be ideal for you i mean as i can yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. With a lot being online, it's it's much more easier. Yes. Uh, per se, versus in person. Uh, right. So that's online. Being online is is probably one of the best things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it takes less of your time. You're able to serve more people. Uh, you know, just with the accountability piece, making sure that they're right. sticking to their program, providing that level of service for more people at a time, because you're not tied up every hour in personal training sessions, right? Because there are only so many hours in the day. Yeah, so all my personal training switched to the morning. Yeah, right. And then you're able to just uh, check in with your online clients in the later part of the day. And right, right. yeah, yeah, that's a, a good setup. So now, as far as getting the word out there about the programs that you do offer, how are you going about doing that? Are you doing paid advertising through Instagram, Facebook, Google, things of that nature? Or how are we getting the word out there? It's, it's crazy because I've, I've been doing this 18 years and I never paid for advertising never paid for advertising I've, I've lately i have uh did like instagram facebook ads yeah well, you know what i i did i haven't done it for five for the fitness part i haven't i've never paid for an ad it's always been word of mouth mm -hmm. and i'm doing the 21 days of hell i have this thing where you can bring a friend okay so you bring a friend one day, I mean, if I get 30 people to bring a friend, I get a conversion rate of 10 to 12 people signing up for the next month. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. 
And it's just, you know, um, especially in Birmingham, Birmingham has just been word of mouth. Um, like I've probably trained uh, thousands of people in the city. And basically it was just, they have been my billboard right. over, over the years. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's been the case. Got I've it. never, like, I've never paid for radio advertisement, never. Mm -hmm. it's, it's always been the word of mouth of social media. Instagram, yeah. Facebook. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the paid advertising through Facebook was what was a game changer for me and my business, just as far as getting more people in the door, into the facility, getting more attention. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge, huge thing when you have such a solid base of referrals and word of mouth uh, that you can rely on. That's, you know, that's the biggest piece when it comes to referrals and word of mouth. You can't really rely on it on a monthly basis mm -hmm. just because it's unpredictable, you know, right, and right. eventually people only know so many people in the area. So sometimes you have to go outside of that. Now you being online has helped because you don't have to now know people in the area so that helps you to expand reach more people serve more clients as well um the, 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 bring, a, the bring a friend online has been probably the best advertisement ever yeah <laughs> because people reach out to friends who they went to college with that's in they may stay in atlanta they reach out to somebody in california Texas. right Mm -hmm. And I have people that I went to school with, you know, uh, college with, that's reach out to me like, hey, I want to join. And they're in Chicago, they're in Ohio, they're in Texas, they're in North Carolina, D.C. So, um, and they've always over the years wanted to train with me, but mm -hmm. I wasn't online to that degree. Um, so now they have a chance and they've joined. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So now big time of the year right now for planning for what's to come in 2022, what our goals are, kind of taking a look at the business. So what are your main focuses for 2022? What are you looking to accomplish in this year? Uh, 2022 is, is basically that, that app that I talked about. It's a mm -hmm. lot of different things, uh, a lot of different components that I want to do with the app. Um, I mean, of course, the basic things, you know, offering the programs, but uh, I'm in a position to where um, a lot of people are asking me about where do I start? How do I start? Mm -hmm. So uh, one component with that app is, you know, trying to help people who want to get uh, become an instructor trainer, you know, in position. Mm -hmm. That's that's really my main goal. And just keep growing as usual. Um, so that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, uh, a better structure for your online program so that you can make it more scalable, grow there, bring on some trainers to be able to help out on the fulfillment side with the clients that you're gaining there. Um, so continued growth, essentially. Of course. Of overall, course. always, right? Yeah, we're trying to grow every day. Right. Yes, absolutely. As everyone should be, right? Everybody should be uh, focused toward growth and getting better every day. 
So I love that. Uh, now, one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice for somebody who is considering opening their own facility, doing their own thing, what would that be? Uh, patience. Yes. Patience. You, have to be pat you have to be patient because um, when I started, I started when, you know, fitness wasn't popular. Mm-hmm. And now it's very popular and everyone's wanting to do it. So you, you have to understand the market that you're in and your target audience that you're gonna um that you're gonna be advertising to. And you have to be patient and stay steady, um, knowing that eventually they're gonna come. Mm -hmm. You can't just jump out the gate and just, oh, we're gonna do it. You know, it's about, you know. Build yourself first and everything else will come. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Awesome. All right. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Oh, you can find me at IG. You can find me at Get Five Star Fit. Uh, Jermaine Mobley on Facebook. You can find me at um, our Facebook page, Five Star Fitness. Um, I'm very reachable. All, All right. Everything is public. Yes. Perfect. Alrighty. So Jermaine from Five Star Fitness in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate that you'd have me on. Don't yes. work the work. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.